This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, church, family, friends. What a privilege to be able to worship the Lord together. Uh, we've started with big groups. We've started with just a lot of times of just connecting and meeting together. And we're looking forward to the, the drive-in church after the long weekend. Uh, where we'll get into our cars, go to Paul Ruiz if you're in Stellenbosch or in Somerset West. And uh, just worship the Lord together. Have live sermons, popcorn. Um, play the stuff all through a transmitter which will run through your radio and uh, just to get together 10 a.m. Uh, every Sunday morning and then the evenings four o'clock and six o'clock will continue as we said with the big groups so we're doubling up we're tripling up that so we have a couple of hundred people already starting to meet together don't stay at home if you're close by because it's so important that we be the church and we gather together because we need to encourage each other we need to build each other up you know, and so this morning's and this evening's session, I'm going to talk about something very simple. The call of Christ towards his disciples, towards you and I. And so, uh, you know, uh, the title is Come, Follow Me. Come, Follow Me. About two or three weeks ago, I really felt this in my heart. That the Lord is calling the church in the West especially to come and to follow him. Where do we find this? In Matthew 4, verse 17 to 19. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't it amazing? He first preaches this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he calls. He says, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Wow. An invitation to us and to the church. Come. What does that mean? Before you go, before you follow, you first have to come to Him. You cannot follow God from a distance. You have to come. And that means come to Him. Come into relationship. Come to know Him intimately. It means you're going to need to be vulnerable and be dependent on Him. And it's a process of discipleship. Jesus is not interested in a relationship from a distance. Jesus is interested in a close relationship. Eye to eye, <laughs> getting to know him. And especially in this tough time, there's a lot of people that are sort of just keeping the distance from God, keeping the distance from the church and from the Christian family. But we need to come closer. And that's why he walks into these disciples' lives and says, come. You know, I remember on the 4th of April, 1989, when I was still in high school, I looked at this teacher Almost for six months, yeah, looking through the window, peeping, checking out what is this man doing? Why is he so full of joy? Why is he following God so passionately? And on the 4th of April, I walked into his room. I said, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. I want to know this Jesus that you serve. And from then, my life became this adventure with God. Yes, there was tough times. Yes, there was rough times. Yes, there were times when I was doubting. But hey, God has been faithful. Because if we follow him, he's always taking us somewhere. So how does this coming to him start? It's always with repentance. And that's why I said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom? It's where the king reigns. And so repentance is that word metanoia, to have a change of mind, a change of action, a change of direction, 
change of motivation, we begin to do a 180 degree turn towards God and we start to follow Him. Isn't this a well-known scripture, you know? We in our country, especially in South Africa, we need healing of our land. And it says, hey, if my people were called by my name, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, if my people were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Say so they're called by my name, they will humble themselves, they'll pray and seek my face, they'll come to me, then they'll turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's some conditions attached to the coming. Repent, humble yourself. Begin to realize that you and I are not in control. And so part of that is we have to discern and listen to what God is saying at the moment. Yeah? In John 10 verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. No, it's not about you knowing God. It's the fact that God knows you. He says, My sheep hear my voice and because I know them, they follow me. So God is more interested in an intimate relationship with you and I than what we are with him. And so, yeah, we need to learn to listen. You know, I talk a lot. And so it's difficult for me to be quiet, <laughs> yeah, and to listen. So the Lord sometimes must talk very loud, you know, to get my attention. But yeah, here we're standing in this vineyard, these beautiful mountains. But even here, yeah, there's a lot of noises here yeah, out up in the mountains. Yeah, uh, there's a little bug flying all over the place and trying to hinder me. There's like... Guinea fowls out there, there's cars right on the other side, there's, there's some birds on this side, there's a house down there, there's, there's a lot of noises around. So I, I have to sort of quiet myself to be able to focus, to listen to God. But part of that listening is also that I need to start to learn to discern the Word of God. Because there's a lot of other things, you know, even the devil can quote scripture. The devil can say, hey, did God not say this? Listen to this in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. But be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. So be diligent to, to come to God. Be diligent every day. Come to Him. Have a quiet time. Get into the presence of God. Don't follow God from a distance. Be diligent. And it's going to take perseverance. It's going to take endurance in this time. I really want to encourage us. Don't just like, ugh, don't just like numb out with your spiritual life. And then it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to learn to apply the word. You know, I, I, I've seen in my life a lot of people that go for the knowledge or the intellect, but they actually put the intellect or even their doctrines above their relationship with God. So they deceive because they think knowledge can get intimacy. Knowledge will never get you intimacy because you can study a book on your wife. But it doesn't mean you're ever going to have intimacy. You're going to need to sit around the table. You're going to need to talk the talk and walk the walk <laughs> because it's about relationship. To study a book about Nelson Mandela will not help you because hey, if you didn't have a relationship with him, you don't know him. You're not intimate with him. So studying doesn't bring you closer. But once you have relationship in place, then the word helps us to divide the truth. And there's a lot of false truths it's not truth, it's a lie. <laughs> because half a truth is a lie. Yeah? We need to discern and rightly divide the word of truth. In this time, stop the conspiracy theories. This thing can be your biggest enemy. 
If you listen more to social media, you're going to be brainwashed by the culture of the day. If you're going to listen more to what the news says at this time, you're going to get deceived. Get into the Word. Let your Word be the primary source of your life. Let your spiritual family, even, you know, watching a sermon a day is not going to keep the devil away. Because, hey, what may apply to somebody else doesn't mean it applies to you. That's why your spiritual family is so important. So the first invitation is to come. Just come. Come here. I love the Afrikaans. It says, come here. <laughs> come here. You know? The second thing is the invitation to follow. What does that mean? There's a path laid out. Just like this vineyard, there's a path up here. The little tractor must drive up here. It can't, there's no other way. There's one path. The, the following means there's a movement. Jesus is walking. The following means there's a cause and a destination. We're going somewhere. The following means there's a lifestyle of obedience and faith. You know, the, the two biggest challenges, I believe, for the church in the West, and the two biggest sins is familiarity and unbelief. And that causes comfort zones. It causes apathy. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about that. Yeah, that we become apathetic. We become just like drawing back. But when we're familiar, say for instance, you think of somebody that you really love, somebody that's close to you. When you become familiar with that person, you begin to treat that person based on what they've done in the past. And it's so easy for you to put them in a box and control them because hey, I'm familiar. You're always doing something like that. You're always reacting like this. You're always saying like that. You're always. So now when I'm familiar, I lose my expectation. I lose that desire to see even that person changed or to look at a different perspective to that person and who that person can become. So I just think like, oh, you're always like that. So it means like you're never going to change. That's familiarity. But you know how we do that with God? We do that with people close to us. We become so familiar with God. And then we lose our faith. We become unbelieving believers. Yeah, We lose our expectation. We lose that desire for God to move. Because we just wake up, it's just another day. So don't let the devil and the world in this time steal your faith or let you become familiar. Now think of that time, and one of the questions we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit later, you know, at the end is is to really talk about this one thing, you know, is like think about how you came to Christ, how he first called you, because that moment when you're so excited, we're gonna change the world for Jesus. Nothing else matters, you know. We I see it with a lot of students; they don't they want to stop studying, they want to stop like this, like hey, I want to go on the mission field, I want to follow God. What a passion, you know! Great, great, great zeal. Not always with the knowledge. But, but think of that time because, hey, God has got a path laid out for us. Listen to this in Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels you know we're standing here in the vineyard and this vineyard has just been pruned there's a lot of old look at this look at this massive branch look at this length that has been cut off and look at what's left here it's 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 basically this this part this is the length that's left 
But look at this massive thing. It looks like this thing has died, you know. But when we pruned, it looks like there's never going to be fruit anymore. <laughs> but why are we pruned? Why is this vineyard pruned? Because it's going to produce fruit. Come here in a couple of months and you're going to see beautiful green leaves. Come here in January and you're going to see the grapes starting to come out of this thing that looks dead. And that's what Habakkuk talks about. Because part of that following is a making, is a shaping, is a transformation. And that's what he says, hey, though the fig tree may not blossom, though the, the fruit be, there be no fruit on the vine, the thing looks dead, it's just been pruned. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. In this time, a lot of people feel pruned in their finances. They feel pruned through their circumstances. There's a lot of things happening. And the Lord is allowing it in some of our lives. Why? He's cutting off the dead branches. He's cutting it off so that we can grow. You know, I've just been challenged. Just because one of the areas will happen in our finances. I've been challenged the past six months, you know. We, you know, with our salaries in at, on staff, just got a 50% cut, you know. Not because there's big trouble, just because, hey, we decided. That's what's going to happen. We're going to trust the Lord by faith. And it is just amazing. I can't tell you how many testimonies of, of just provision and people bringing like, waggy steaks and chicken and free-range chicken from somewhere and the best lamb of the Karoo and it's just stuff the fridge is full like it's never been you know provision just more to such an abundance to just give away to people around because God is faithful but the question is are we familiar have we lost our faith have we lost our trust in God and I want to encourage you maybe you are in a financial difficult time I want to tell you God is faithful God is faithful to complete what he started. But sometimes he allows the pruning. Sometimes he allows the tough times in our lives so that we can grow closer to him, so that we can grow more dependent or realize how much we should be dependent on him. And the third part of this calling is he says, come, follow me, because I'm going to make you into fishers of men. It's more about the cause of Christ than just about your own life. It's not just about preservation and your own security. So there's a path laid out, there's a, there's a movement, there's a destination we saw. In Luke 10, he calls, in verse 1 and 2, he calls the 70 and he says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them, sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. Lambs among wolves? Whoa, there's a lot of wolves walking around there, but I send you out as lambs, but I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be with you. But the problem is there's not a lot of laborers. There's a lot of consumers. So don't be a consumer. Don't be familiar. Don't be an unbelieving believer. So the Lord is challenging all of us, but I think it's the greatest time to live is now. God has called you and I to live now in this time to do the will of God and to see the kingdom of God come. Yeah, maybe you feel like this vineyard right now. <laughs> maybe you think like, sure, I, I, I don't have hope. I've lost hope. I want to tell you God is faithful. But the question is, are we going to learn to follow him? Are we going to say, Lord, it's more about following you and your presence in our lives and our dependency on you than just on the promised land and the promises of God? So three questions we have. The first question that I want you to discuss is describe the time when you first felt God calling you to follow him and what happened. How, what that first moments when you met him, that first moments when you came to him, how did he meet with you? 
invitation. The second one is what are the hindrances currently in your life that keeps you from living a vulnerable and intimate life with God and your spiritual family? What, what are the stumbling blocks? What are the stuff, the walls that you've built up so that there's no intimacy with God and there's no intimacy with the people around you and vulnerability? Because hey, pride kicks in. When we harden our hearts, we become proudful. The third thing, in what areas is God making or equipping you at the moment to become a laborer, to become a disciple maker that makes disciples? You know, we cannot just be couch warmers. We cannot just be couch potatoes. We cannot be consumers. Because then, hey, what are we going to present to God? No, Lord, I had a nice life and retired. No. Who's, who's peop what are the people that you took with you into eternity? It's the only thing you can take with you. None, none of your possessions. None of the fancy stuff we have, not the cars, not, not, those things are not going to go with you. I think it was Napoleon that was, you know, they carried him just when he died. They put him in a casket and he said, make holes on the sides and let my hands hang out on the sides and take me through the whole, my whole empire. And then let people walk in front and say, he takes nothing with him. Empty handed, he goes into eternity. See, you can't take anything. So the best way to live is open handed. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't grab on. Because it's the issue about control. Let's let go of control. There's only one that can control you. It's Jesus. He's Lord of our lives. Because he, he's not selfish and he doesn't want anything in return. He's not manipulating us. He's not, he's not there to take something from us. He's there to give something to us. So he's the only one. But don't let your finances control you. Don't let any relationship, any person in relationship, they, they're not worth it. Because they didn't die for you. Only Christ died for you. And that's the challenge, but also the invitation. Let's give up control. Let's put our security in Him. Though the fig tree may not blossom, I will rejoice in the Lord. Though there's nothing on the vineyard, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. So let's walk in the joy of our salvation. Maybe you've lost the joy of your salvation, then I want to pray for you. That joy, that encouragement to follow God. Lots of people are numb and tired at this time. Now is the time for the church to arise. Now is the time. To say, Lord, we need to get up. We need to get up to hear your voice again. We need to follow you because the Lord is going to give great opportunities for the church, but only for those who've learned to listen because my sheep hear my voice. Listen, follow. Come, follow me and I will make you. Let's be, let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the sound, Lord, just of your voice in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that even if some people are going through a pruning season, now is the time. Now is the time, Father, because, Lord, you see, you, you are the one who brings life and life in abundance. And we say yes to that again. Father, I pray for those who are discouraged. I pray for those who've lost stuff, Lord. But we want to repent of familiarity, of unbelief, of settling for comfort zones, but especially allowing our circumstances and our fears to control us. We repent of fear because, Lord, we only want to fear you. And this morning and this evening, Lord, as we gather together, Lord, give us soft hearts again. As we turn to you, as we look to you, Father, and we say, Lord, thank you for life and life in abundance. Thank you for life and life in abundance. Lord, you said we will have for every good work, especially in this time. We pray for those, Lord, who are struggling financially, that you will bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've lost the joy of your salvation, then hey, just take a moment and repent. If you don't know the real Jesus, repent and turn to him. Say, Lord, here's my life. Take control of my life. If you confess him to be Lord of your life, we'll believe in your heart. Scripture says he will give you a new life. 
Hey, don't, don't trade your joy and your peace and your hope in God. Because hey, he's walking. He's going somewhere. There's a destination. It's eternity. And he's written eternity in our hearts. Let's not lose focus in this time to follow him. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.